Welcome to the Diversity at Work podcast, where we unpack what it's really going to take to close the gender gap in the workplace. Here is your host, leadership coach and diversity consultant, Andrea Jansen. This episode is sponsored by Duckish Natural Skincare. I am super excited that they have jumped on board to sponsor the show because I actually know Carolyn Crew, the founder, personally. A couple of years ago, before there was a Reignite Your Ambition coaching program, before there was a workshop, before there was an ambitious everyday journal, I had an idea for an exercise to help people get clear on what drives their ambition so that they could set goals, feel fulfilled, and have something to strive for. So before I could do that, I actually had a group of entrepreneurs that I knew, and I asked them if I could test the exercise on them. So I asked Carolyn, what is the something that you're striving for? What drives your ambition? What motivates you to get up every day and go to work? And she said, 2%. And I didn't really expect an answer like that. And I asked her to explain. And she said that only 2% of women entrepreneurs actually reach a million dollars in annual revenue in their businesses. And that is what motivated her to start Duckish Natural Skincare. They have lotion sticks, lip balm, baby products, and bath products. They're really innovative. And my favorite product is their lotion stick. It looks like deodorant, but it's actually lotion. So you just rub it on your legs, you rub it on your arms, your hands, your face. You can even use it as a lip balm. And I love it because it's solid. And when I travel, I can keep it in my carry-on and I don't need to worry about having too much liquid to get through security. And for all of the Diversity at Work listeners, Duckish is offering you 15% off of your order. So you need to head to duckish.ca, that is D-U-C-K-I-S-H dot C-A, and enter the promo code diversity at work at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your order. The way I see it is that if you need to buy lotion anyways, might as well buy it from a women-owned business so that you can do your part to close the gender gap. They ship to the U.S. and Canada, so head to duckish.ca and enter the promo code diversity at work and you will get 15% off. Hello, it's Andrea Jansen here, and on this episode of the Diversity at Work podcast, I had a conversation with Jennifer Hargraves. She is the founder of Talent, an organization built on creating flexible work options. And we talked about how looking at value and results is the best way to implement flexible work and how both men and women and organizations can benefit from this idea that you don't have to be in the office from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to be productive. This is such a great interview and I learned a lot and I'm so excited to share it with you. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Can you introduce yourself and tell me what you do? Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Andrea. So my name is Jennifer Hargreaves, and I am the founder of Talent, which is a tech platform for professional women and innovative businesses to find, create, and fill flexible work opportunities. Okay, awesome. So Tell me a little bit more about before you started this, because I find this really interesting that you've started this company that promotes this idea of flexible work, mostly for women. Um, But what was going on for you before you started this? Well, personally, I had just returned to Canada after 12 years of living and working abroad. 
So I came home with a husband, a one-year-old, and I was pregnant again. (laughs) And professionally, it's a bit more of a longer and more complicated story. So I started my career overseas, um, and I moved from New Zealand to New York to London. And when I was working in London, I was blindsided by bias and discrimination in the workforce. So up until that point, I'd really been tracking well towards my career ambitions, Uh, And that was in international business development and strategy. And as I said before, I'd already been to New York on a four-year diplomatic posting by that point. When I got back to Canada, I sort of found myself without a job, without a network, with a very small baby and one on the way. And I loved working and I really wanted to get back to work. But it seemed to me to be this sort of gargantuous task to start from scratch in an organization with zero flexibility, with two young kids, and to have a partner that travels all the time for work. So I guess you could say I was at a a real crossroads. I love working and I wanted to keep working, but I really didn't want to do, didn't really know what I wanted to do next. Okay. So you had, you were figuring out, like you had this motivation and you wanted to get back to work. You wanted to contribute. You wanted to build your career, but how could you do it kind of because there was not really like a playbook or there probably wasn't role models. You didn't have a community. Is that kind of where you were at? Mm, absolutely. And it's pretty much the same as with any new product or service that starts up, right? As you create or you build something that you wish that you could find. Uh, and that's, that's basically what I did. So after I had my second child, I started looking for work. Um, and I was looking for something that would allow me to show up how I wanted to show up at home as a parent, but also how I define success in my career. So I had this vision of myself being an international business development manager. Um, And I had all these big, big goals, but I couldn't find an organization that would give me the flexibility that I needed to get to that place I wanted in my career, but also be the kind of parent that I wanted to be. When you say flexibility, what does that mean? Well, flexibility is different for anyone and for everyone. So what works for you might not work for me and what works for me might not work for someone someone else as well. So for me, flexibility was being basically how I wanted to show up at home and the kind of parent I wanted to be, and what I wanted to achieve in my work, and how and where and when I worked. So when I say flexibility and talking about the organization that I work for, it's really anything that's outside of the traditional nine to five, bum on seat, work week, it can be remote work, it can be part time, it can be contract work, freelancing, it can be a flexible start finish time, but in an office, it can have the ability to do a mix of all of the above. But basically, it's the idea that you have more control and autonomy over how, where, and when you work. Okay. And is it based on, is this idea about like results? So like, these are the results, Jennifer, that you're responsible in your job. You, you sit wherever you want. You do it between whatever hours you want. Is that kind of how it could work for people? Absolutely. So for me, I just felt so strongly that wanting to be a parent didn't engage my talents or what I could offer an employer. So I just wanted employers, clients, anyone I was working with to judge me on my results and not the time spent at a desk. And this really goes for anyone with any kind of flexibility or anyone wanting flexible work. The reasons behind your want for flexibility are pretty much irrelevant as an employer, you know, whether it's caring, like like me with being a parent or looking after your elderly parents, whether it's health or simply lifestyle. Like you said, it, it just comes down to results and value right? Not how much time you're sitting in an office. I love that. Cause I had a conversation with some of my friends a couple of weeks ago about 
working and being a parent. And I think we always go down this road of mothers need flexible work because they need to take care of children. But I I don't think that's healthy um, because I think there's this opportunity for like, you know what? A, a single person needs flexible work so they can have interests outside of work so they can travel so that they can have goals outside of that nine to five job. And I think the way that you talk about it, it's like, get the results done. You figure out when and where you do it. And I just think it, it opens it up to such a bigger possibility and a way to benefit everybody and not make it only about mothers. A hundred percent. Like it also has to do with when and where and how you work best, right? Some people work best in the morning. Some people work best in the afternoon. Why would you want somebody coming into an office to work when they don't work very well at all, when they're not at their most productive or peak time? Same with paying somebody for part-time work. Why would you reduce somebody's wages because they're more efficient and more productive? Is there a way that we can start thinking about work in that now we're thinking about results and value? So you do, your job is to do X, Y, Z. You get it done or you don't get it done. How and where and when you get it done, you know, is something to be negotiated with an employer. But at the end of the day, it's the result and the value that should matter. I love it. I love this. Because it just sounds like we're actually making more productivity. And at the end of the day, if we can really fully embrace this in an organization, the organization is going to be way more productive because there's not going to be wasted time and unproductivity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not the only benefit to an employer as well. So first of all, like the benefits to the employee, as we've already talked about, is increased trust and autonomy that come with a culture of flexible work is going to lead to happier, loyal, and more productive employees, which again will translate into even greater cost savings for employers. So we talked about productivity, but also look at reduced stress and lower absenteeism, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like our, we did a survey of 500 professional women early in I was going to say earlier this year, but actually earlier in last year in 2019, that told us that among the biggest complaints in the workforce were stress, mental health, and burnout. So flexible work schedules allow for the employees to deal with all of life's demands. So as you said, whether it's parenting, whether it's getting the car fixed, whether it's getting to a doctor's appointment, whether it's it's health or whatever it is, it allows you to get everything done more effectively and with less stress. So again, Less stress equals more productivity, healthier, happier employees. You know, and then if you think about more cost savings, think about think about the overhead um, associated with maintaining a physical workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Or the overhead that's associated with uh, absenteeism or turnover. Retention was actually um, or is often cited as one of the most important reasons for implementing flexible work policies is to be able to attract and retain that top talent. So yeah, I mean, I could go on. Okay, There's I love it. So I'm really curious, okay, because you work with organizations and you also work with, you work with employers and employees. So I'm curious, I can see employees signing up right away, being bought into this idea. But what kind of work did you have to do to start having this conversation with employers? So this was a harder one. Um, and I found it, uh, when I started the organization, I started it's been three and a half years now and flexible work is flexibility, technology, mindset has evolved, has evolved substantially over the last three years. But in the first couple of years, when I started going to meet with these organizations, 
I started with the traditional workforce because to me, this is where I saw that that gap and that challenge and that flexibility uh, for mid-career women could really have an impact on their ability to get into leadership roles, on their ability to find meaningful and financially rewarding work, and ultimately on their ability to earn throughout the course of their lifetime. So I thought, you know, corporations, this is really the place I need to go, especially as they're talking about diversity and inclusion. How can we get more women into leadership? And I found that my calls were getting answered and I was having meetings and they were interested in theory, not much was happening in practice. And I found that quite frustrating. So I stopped putting my energy there and I really focused instead on where I could have a greater impact and where the women in my community wanted to work and what they wanted to do. Okay, so it's really starting on the, I guess, on the supply side right now, whereas it's almost like you have to start with people who are ready to buy into the concept, get something up and running for them. And then at that point, then you bring the big employers on board when it's like, these people are here, the talent's ready. Do you want this talent? If yes, this is kind of how it needs to play out. Or these are the kind of things that you need to think about. Is that kind of the vision that you have? No, I think it's even more exciting than that, Andrea. I think Ooh, that tell me you, more. <laughs> I think that if you want to if you want to do something different, or if you want to get different results, you need to try doing something different. So as companies are playing catch up on flexible work and inclusion, a new digital economy is emerging, and this is where we're really seeing the endless possibilities, Andrea, where women are supporting women. So we stop waiting for the Calvary to come for companies to change, and so we're launching a talent ecosystem to leverage these opportunities where jobs and talent are found through networking, word of mouth and recommendation, and where we practice gratitude and Vicki Saunders idea of radical generosity, and we have where we have this increased ability to actually build ourselves, to create ourselves and to find new and innovative ways to live, lead and earn through flexible work. So basically what's happening are women are leaving the traditional work structure and they're starting their own companies. They're becoming freelancers. They're working for startups. They're saying, you know what? We've tried it here. It's not working for me. It's not what I want anymore. So now I'm going to go and try and do something different. And that's really where talent is stepping in and we're helping women succeed through these alternative channels. Okay, that's cool. So these new organizations are popping up that are just from the start, there's it, it just is flexible. There's not, there's no need to shift the culture. There's no baggage there. It's just these new startups, this new way of working is happening in our culture. And I almost see it as like the big older companies are going to be left behind. 100%. Not only are they going to be left behind, if you look at the talent who are leaving and who are starting their own companies or who are becoming freelancers or who are going to work on a social impact venture, these women have the skills that are going to be required for key leadership roles in the future of work. So you're effectively leading, uh, losing your future leaders. So these women are innovative, they're problem solvers, they've got emotional intelligence, and they're taking risks. That's and cool. in a future where, you know, the only thing constant that's going to be is change, you need you need talent like that to be engaged in staying and innovating within your own organization, not losing them. Um, to other organizations and to the, to their own opportunities, which is what's happening, which I think yeah, is actually incredibly exciting for women. It's so exciting. I was actually thinking like when I, through, on my LinkedIn in 2019, it, I used to work in corporate and I saw probably like five or six people that I used to work with kind of years ago, start their own ventures. And I find it interesting because none of these people had small children. So I think there's something yeah. else there too. 
and they're starting these big, amazing companies. And it's like, I don't know what it is, but it's like something for them, like corporate wasn't working anymore. So then they're going out and they're stepping and they're building these big companies and it's really exciting to watch. Uh, absolutely. And it's like we said, if you want to do something different or if you want to get different results, you have to try doing something different and banging your head against the wall um, to get into leadership or again and again and again. For some people, they're saying, you know what, this it's not what I want to do. I've got to try something different. I'm going to go and try something different over here. And I think the other thing, too, is that the opportunity is there for women to thrive outside of the traditional workforce that maybe didn't exist before either. So I think opportunities for women to succeed with all the support that's now available for female entrepreneurs, um, for women in leadership, for access to startup, uh, for like all these other community organizations that were, are rising up. I think their opportunity to succeed ha- is like it's never been before. And yeah, if you I, look at the rise of, of all the other organizations that are popping up to support women who are leading, so there's, you know, we do it through flexible work, but if you look at the Atelier Collective, the Founders Fund, if you look at um, how women of influence have grown and scaled, FWE, how these organizations are popping up everywhere to support women. Cool. So I'm interested, though, about the pay gap, pay gap because I, I did a podcast interview with Eleanor Beaton. Um, one of my early yeah. interviews, and she was talking about women entrepreneurs. And I know she gave a stat that said the average revenue for a women-led business is around fifty thousand a year. And then there's this other stat that said only two percent of women-led businesses reach over a million dollars in revenue. So I do think about economic impact, and I'm just I'm not sure if this flexible work kind of going outside of the traditional corporate job is giving women the economic opportunity and I don't know if it's solving the pay gap so I think there's two different pieces here so I think the opportunity for women to earn as entrepreneurs is increasing and there's a lot of work being done by government organizations and by um, sort of support a community run organizations to make sure that women have access to more funding, that they have access to the skills, tools, and resources to help them thrive, um, and that we can really start upping the game with female entrepreneurs. So yes, for sure, 100%, that is uh, a gap that needs to be filled, and our government is has been fantastic in developing resources to close that gap. The other piece of this is keeping women in lower-paying jobs. I'm assuming that that there's this idea that flexible work means less pay. And I feel like this is something that really we're tackling at Talent because I don't think that flexible work has to mean lower paying jobs. Um, So this is really what we're doing with the Talent Ecosystem and with the Opportunity Equity Committee is we're connecting women to skilled and financially rewarding flexible jobs. So we're not saying leave your six figure income to go work at the local church when you've got an MBA and 18 years experience, um, we're saying connect to meaningful, which is skilled and financially rewarding opportunities by tapping into this other community. So we're giving them greater access to opportunity to earn through whether it's a portfolio career where they can use a professional training and years of experience or whether it's connecting them with remote employers who pay fairly. So it's it almost like... To- 
the value, right? So it's like you have these people in your community. Yeah, it's the value that they can deliver. So it's not the hours that they can sit there and be doing whatever needs to be done. It's like really you invest and you get the value and maybe they do it faster than somebody with maybe less experience sitting there in the office for 40 hours a week. But it's like that value and that to the bottom line to the business that is going to really change this and make flexible work really work. Absolutely. And the gender pay gap has been, has historically been around or been the gender pay gap has, has historically widened basically because women continue to take on the greater share of unpaid work, right? Because there's this market segmentation of women in lower value, lower paying jobs and sectors. Women are overrepresented in part-time work and there's a lack of female representation in leadership roles. All of these we're working to address through talent. So we're saying, um, you know, if with flexible work, if it's open to everyone and equal to everyone, more men will have the ability to take on caregiving responsibilities at home, especially if we encourage them to take more parental leave. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's going to take some of the burden off women alone in our, um, in our survey statistics, we saw that 58% of working women remain the primary caregiver. 68% of women, or sorry, 58% of working women who are doing essentially two full-time jobs. So we need to start shifting uh, that burden of care onto men as well. So that that will help to alleviate the stress of working full-time. Okay, I'm Looking really interested at, in this data, Jennifer. Can you tell me what surprised you from this survey that you did? Well, I would say that the number of women who are the primary caregivers still. Um, it surprised, but also didn't surprise me at all. So 58% of women are the primary care of working women are the primary caregivers. So effectively they're doing two full-time jobs, yeah. usually without a lot of flexibility and with a lot of dual parenting support as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say 68%, The another number that surprised me are that 68% of working women take a career break of some kind over the course of their career. Yeah. And I defined a career break as taking a pause from their, their career trajectories for some period of time. Um, 97% of women who take a career break are interested in coming back in. And not oh, all 97% are come back in. Yeah. 97% wow. come back in. And the average length of time they're out for is 2.5 years. So, but the the problem with all of this is that when they're coming back in, now they kind of face this trifecta of discrimination because now you're talking to a woman who has a break on her, a career break or a break in her resume, a gap in her resume. You're talking to a woman who has children and most people will make some assumptions about her commitment to work. Um, because of those children, and also uh, for some wo- women, ageism. So how old are you now that you're coming back into the workforce and looking for a new job or a new career, and how committed are you to it? So there's a lot of challenges for women when they do take a career break and coming back to the workforce. I want to talk about that a little bit more, because I hear people talk about that all the time. People always tell mm-hmm. me, I'm worried about my resume, I have this two-year gap, or I work at this company, it's not as high profile as the ones I did before. And people get so really stuck on that. So is this like, I'm wondering if it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy that we see that on ourselves and we kind of, you don't show up as confidently or you think that it's going to big deal, be a big deal. And then it is, or is it really that employers care that, you know what, 
they didn't work for two years, which is not very long. They're yeah. they're going to forget how to contribute. They're going to forget. They have forgotten. Like, I'm just really wondering, like, what is the big deal about that gap? So unfortunately, uh, it's a bit of everything that you've just mentioned. Uh, employers, there are there is discrimination and bias, um, and education does need to happen around having a gap on a resume. Um, and people do have these innate biases, right? They're ingrained in us. That's what what unconscious bias is: is the assumption that, um, and one of the, the one of the ways it plays out is making the assumption that oh, she took a break to look after her children. They're obviously the priority. So all of these things do exist, and a lot of companies are putting tools in place or training in place um, to raise the awareness around this. Uh, but it's not really where we want it to be just yet. So women still are struggling from the recruitment end, but also you're right. There is a um, internal dialogue that happens with women around confidence as well. Um, and also not knowing what to expect on the other end too. So are they going to judge me? Are they going to think? I'm not sure. That is okay. a huge piece of it too. Also, you know, you sometimes can lose your network when you're off um, as well. And that makes it a bit more difficult to come back in. But honestly, I speak with so many of these women who have not lost a thing in the two years. If, if anything, they're gaining um, so much more experience. They've got a network. Maybe they sometimes don't even realize they have around them uh, with skills and expertise. And I actually truly believe that, you know, all of us have infinite potential and can put our, achieve whatever it is that we put our mind to. Cool. So I'm just wondering, cause if you think about kind of Canada, where we're at most jobs are in these bigger kind of old older organizations so if these women are all leaving and I just think about like the leadership women in leadership if women are all leaving like what's going to happen in these older companies they're just we're we're still going to see we're not going to see equality and we're not going to see improvement there well some of the companies are evolving quickly and well and they're recognizing that in order to attract and retain the best talent and diverse talent um, that they're going to need to stay competitive in the, the future work, the digital economy, whatever you want to call it, they're doing what they need to do to make sure that they bring that right talent in. The other ones are going to stagnate um, and they're going to be left behind and they're not going to have the talent they need to achieve what they want to achieve, whether it's by creating products that appeals to the Canadian marketplace, which is extremely diverse, or whether it's accessing the skills they need to keep up with the new technologies that are coming on board. Companies are going to have to evolve or they will be left behind. Okay, I get that. And it's almost like it's like they haven't had the – it hasn't been painful enough yet. They're not I, that's losing exactly money, right? So it, as Andrea. soon as they feel the pain and they, like, they actually literally cannot fill the roles, then I think these big companies will be – these big kind of older companies will be like, oh, okay, we need to – now it's time for us to look at it differently – um, but then on the flip side, the opportunity is like, what if they did it now? Yeah, there's, they're, they're lacking the urgency. And also I think that, I think it's just going to be a redistribution of, of talent or skills is what's going to happen. And that smaller companies, more innovative companies, more, um, culturally welcoming companies or diverse companies are going to start growing bigger and start doing better. And there's going to be a shift. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious because I have friends that have done this idea. I actually have quite a few friends that after maternity leave, they negotiate themselves by being just 
savvy and good negotiators, they negotiate Mm -hmm. themselves a flexible work week for when they go back. And I remember back seven years ago, I was like, maybe that's something I want to explore. Like, that sounds amazing. Work four days a week and just make a little bit less money. I'm fine with that. And I remember looking into that, asking people about it. And the feedback that I got back from people was, you have to do 40 hours of work in 30 hours. So you're just, you're so stressed. I'm working in the night all the time. Usually I work from home on my day off anyways. And I ultimately made the decision not to do it. But I think that those are some of the trailblazers that kind of blazed the trail. And, but the system wasn't set up to support them. So they were kind of doing it, but it was almost, they were not set up for success at all. I don't think. Nope. You're absolutely right. Um, if we call it, Scope creep. <laughs> scope creep. Yes. Yeah. Scope creep. Yeah. You're basically doing a 40 hour work. You're basically doing 40 hours of work and be paying, getting paid for half of it. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And we have actually a workbook that's called how to negotiate flexible work. And we address that in the workbook. Uh, but basically you have to manage, you have to manage your manager um, and make sure that there's, there's two pieces to the puzzle here, you know, make sure that, you're delivering your results, but also making sure that you are managing your priorities. So understanding what are the priorities, what do you need to get done first and what in what order and communicating when you're not able to do that the amount of time that you have. So I'm also wondering, because that's like on the person with the, that has the flexible work. Those are kind of some guidelines for them. But what about someone at a big company and they're a manager, they have these amazing people on their team and someone on their team wants flexible work and they want to make that happen for them. How can the manager set them up for success? Because I think in these big companies, like maybe that's not a policy. They had to kind of go to bat to make this happen for that team member. How can this manager who is in the middle of an organization support their team? Well, first of all, I think that we have to get away from the idea of flexible work as an accommodation for one person versus um, a productivity tool that's going to benefit the benefit the business. So you have to move away from looking at it just as, you know, we're going to give this to Andrea because she's amazing and she's the only one we're going to give it to because ultimately that's not going to serve you very well at all. Yeah. Uh, And the reason it's not going to serve you is because you may be seen then as a part-timer, right? Or not as committed or a special case or something else. So you get bias and discrimination that creeps up Mm -hmm. from accommodation of flexible work being something that's given only to a select few. So for flexibility to really work and really benefit, uh, women, it's it's got to be applied to everybody and accessible to everybody and used by everybody, including the leadership team. Okay. So the leadership team has to leave early and leave loudly, right? Yeah, I'm so going even, today. At, yeah. It could even be something like you know what? Oh, you could you could sign up for a I don't know six month flexible working arrangement, and somebody who loves snowboarding takes the six months of the winter and they work four days a week, and one day a week they're snowboarding. That's kind of, mm-hmm. is, would that be a way that it works? Absolutely. It can work any way the company makes it work in order to meet both all of their objectives, so their company objectives and their personal and employee objectives as well. And going back to your first example, one of the ways that a manager could champion this or put it to their manager is to talk about it as a pilot project as well. So let's try it. What have we got to lose? Bring in comparisons on what their competitors are doing with their employees you know, showcase and highlight the the reasons and the benefits for doing this. Think about how much it costs to replace an employee. 
let alone this one with, you know, X number of years of institutional knowledge. Think about the benefit. Think about your competitiveness. I put love it. it. It's, it's like anything, right? It's, it's how you put the case to somebody who's going to be risk averse, address their risks and come up with solutions. And almost like you could test it on a team. Just be like, our entire team for three months, we're going to work this way. We're going to track. We're going to do it. We're going to measure. And then you have, it's not just a one-off basis. It's a, this is a thing. And this is evidence-based. And this is kind of the results that we got. And it's very, it's limited too. So if you feel like it's not working, there's a time where you can be like, okay, we're going to look at what happened. And then if it's not working, we can tweak it. Or maybe we need to go back to the old way. But it gives them the organization permission to just to test. Absolutely. And it also identifies where there's gaps or where there might be gaps. So maybe at the end of the three months, you say, hey, you know what, we tried this and it and it looks really promising. But here are the gaps here. We need some help. We need better technology for communicating with our remote employees. We need to go through management training on how to manage remote employees. We need to look at, you know, how we make sure that our our team is staying motivated, even though we're not having the face-to-face connection. So it's it's learning as well, so that when you do roll it out, you're rolling it out in a more positive and construction and constructive and more solutions-focused way. I love it. I actually have a personal question, and this is um, what I'm dealing with right now in my own business. So I have this vision. This bigger vision is when my company scales, is that we have a four-day work week all the time. Mm -hmm. And part of the culture of my business is one of my values is hustle. Like we do whatever it takes and we work really hard and we are very results oriented. But so it's this idea that that's part of the culture. So when you need to step up and do some extra people, I want people to be happy to do that. But if there's not extra work to do, you don't need to sit there just because it's Wednesday afternoon. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of have to walk the talk from the beginning because culture starts at the top. And right now my business is very small and I've been working four days a week and I'm finding it very tough because just our culture. And it's not that anybody is putting these demands on me. It's almost like these cultural demands and just the way that I've brought been brought up in the work world is that I always feel like I'm not delivering enough or I'm behind on the one day that I'm not officially working. And sometimes I will work in the night that day. And I'm just, I feel like it's like me against the systemic cultural way that you work five days a week. So how do we get over that mindset? Like, how could I get over that, that baggage and like leave that baggage outside? Well, first of all, I would say like, just to remember that you create time. So you can create whatever time you want to create to get what you need done, done. So that's fully 100% in your control. I would say also to set goals for the week. Think about this again as results-based or value-based. What do you want to achieve this week? And then set out to achieve it. And when you've achieved it, you won't feel like you give yourself permission to take that time off. You won't feel like you need to hustle or there's something else because you said, you know what, this week I'm achieving this. Personally, I work um, during school hours. So my kids, I work from nine o'clock until three o'clock, which mm-hmm. isn't a big work day at all. But I also get up at 5am. So I work from five to seven. I get the kids to school, then I work. And sometimes I need to work in the evening. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes my days are heavier. And I can go for a walk or a run or get to yoga. Sometimes they're not. But if I need to create the time, there's always somewhere for me to create time. So whether it's again, getting up early in the morning, whether it's 
dropping a yoga class, whether it's um, choosing that today someone else is going to pick my kids up, there's always a way to create that time and solve a problem. Yeah, I love it. I love it. The focus on the results and the goals, because that's really what productivity is. Absolutely. It's not the amount of hours that you put in. It's really like, what, what, what have I done? What have I produced? What have I created? What have I done to serve people? And that's kind of what, what gets the business ahead versus hours at a computer, hours at a desk or whatever. So thank you. I'm going to take that. And I also wake up at 5am every day. Um, so <laughs> sometimes <laughs> work at 5am and yeah, I feel like I'm at the point where I'm making it work, but I just, I feel, I just feel like the baggage. I, I feel the cultural baggage that Monday to Friday are the work days. And if you don't work on one of the work days, it's, yeah, it's just something that I feel. And it's something that I don't, I really want this for, for my company. I want this company to be flexible. That's what I want to build. Um, so what other things do I need to think about as I kind of, I'm at the very beginning of building this company with a flexible working culture? I would say who you surround yourself with as well. So surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded um, in mindset, work, work ethic, and vision and growth is also really important. Um, so for example, I work with a huge number of freelancers, as you can imagine. I don't want to go out and hire a whole bunch of employees because they don't have the overhead to do it. And I love my contractors. So they come in and they deliver results when I need them to, and I pay them for the results. Again, not per hour, but basically based on what they deliver. The women who I work with are solutions focused. And oh my goodness, Andrea, it is the best feeling. People don't come to me with problems. They come to me with solutions. And because they're coming to me with solutions, they put things out there and try things and test things as well. So sometimes I work on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, If they're open to it and up to it as well, uh, I can find time. I can create time. Uh, If they can only talk to me on an evening, yeah, I can figure it out. Uh, And I would say that's been key to my growth as well is feeling like you've got real partners and your freelancers and who the people and the people that you surround yourself with and work with. Okay. I love it. Okay. So I want to, I'm really, I have a lot of listeners that work in bigger, more traditional organizations. So I'm wondering if there's something that you could recommend people do um, within 24 hours. Cause that's how I end every single podcast. After you learn something new by listening to this podcast, you have to apply it right away by tomorrow. So what can someone do if they are in a big company, maybe not the CEO, maybe somewhere in the middle, maybe on the senior leadership team, what can they do as a first step to adopting this idea in their company? Well, I would say the very first step would be to stop assuming, you know, what everybody wants and start asking them. So, you know, what do your employees actually want and need with regards to flexible work options? And that also has to be tied with, you know, is is my company a company that can implement them? These kind of flexible work options, because some companies, you have to have somebody in an office between certain amount of times, or if you're on a manufacturing line, people have to actually be there to work. Um, but I would say, stop assuming, start asking. Um, yes. And also, yeah, so I would I say that's that. my number one tip. Yeah. Okay. Just ask questions and also like write down the things that are non-negotiable. Like we are a manufacturing environment, so we need people here and we have customers coming into our office every day between these hours. So we absolutely at the bare minimum need someone to be sitting here between these hours and really understanding in each role, like how important is it 
that they're working for these hours or is there an option for something else? I think that, is that what you mean? Absolutely. And how can we solve this problem? How can we, solve or it? even defining what is the problem here? So what do you see as the challenges with the flexible work culture at the moment? How can we solve this problem around these criteria? Knowing A, B, C, and D, what are some options that we could do? Throw it out there. See what you get. You, you know, you'll get great ideas because they're the ones who are living it and breathing it and having the challenges as well. I love it. So lead with curiosity is the best way to figure this out. Um, so people go. want to learn more about you and talent. How do they do that? Uh, you can connect to me on LinkedIn or visit my website, which is www.wearetalent.com. Okay, awesome. I will put that in the show description. Thank you so much for coming on, Jennifer. This was very helpful and very good advice. And I'm going to apply it as I move to scaling my business. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show, Andrea. I am so excited to share with you today that Ambitious Every Day is here in the world. It is like having your very own leadership coach in the form of a journal to help you focus and take action towards your goals every single day. It is the coaching exercises that I take my clients through, illustrated by the talented Jill Jackson. So it's a book. There are questions that you ask. It's just like I'm your leadership coach right there in with you, holding your hand, helping you figure out what ambition means to you, helping you set goals and come up with a plan to make them happen. And you can actually get a preview for free by going to andreajensen.com forward slash journal. You can also order your physical copy and it will come to you in the mail, but you can try it for completely free in a PDF right to your inbox. Go to andreajansen.com forward slash journal to get yours today. Hey, if you're still listening to the podcast, if you've made it this far, I would probably assume that you're getting some value out of these weekly podcasts. And I would like to ask you a favor. If you could take a minute to give me a review on iTunes. So click on the podcast, give me some comments, give me some feedback, because that helps spread the word about the Diversity at Work podcast, and it helps to build more diversity champions and get people learning, get people curious about what it's really going to take to close the gender gap. And after you've done that, if you still have some time, you could take a screenshot of the podcast and post it in your social media. That can help spread the word as well. Thank you so much.